0: Good morning. Joy to be here with you this morning. I'm Father Ron Perry and my wife, Linda. She is currently being chaperoned by two uh, wonderful children there, so they'll be keeping an eye on her. But we're glad to be here this morning. We are grateful to Father Jonathan for the invitation to come and share with you. Uh, We have known Father Jonathan for a long time. In fact, we were present at his ordination to the priesthood. We also have been friends with uh, Father Lee for uh, many years. And so it's good to be here. It's good to come together with like-minded believers and rejoice in what Christ is doing in our lives. And so uh, let us uh, begin. There are a couple of things to share with you this morning. As part of my preparation and wrestling with the Scriptures It's, okay, what is it, God, you would like the people to hear this morning? Because anybody can tell you, anybody can get up and stand and babble on for 10, 15 minutes. So the object is not to just have something to say. It's to try to find out, okay, God, what is it you would have us hear this morning? And so as I've been preparing for this over the last few weeks, two verses just kept ringing over and over in my mind. And let me just share them with you, and then we'll kind of walk through some things together. First one was Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. You are free. Stand firm. The second is from our gospel lesson, luke 9 verse 51 when the days drew near for jesus to be taken up he set his face to go to jerusalem he set his face to go to jerusalem out of this i'm hearing a couple of things we'll look through them and see first to stand firm in christ and keep your eyes on him or As the sermon heading I saw, Linda and I saw the other day when we were out visiting some people, drove by a church, and the sermon at that church for today is going to be, Today is not the day to throw in the towel. And you know what? I thought that dog will hunt. That will be a good one. Today is not the day to throw in the towel. So let's look at this. What is it that the Holy Spirit has for us this morning. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands and share because Father Jonathan is right here. Uh, he'll take notes. But without raising your hands, how many of you read the article that he posted probably 10 days ago on Ordinary Time? Okay, I'm seeing, it. I saw three heads nod. Okay. Good article. If you haven't read it, go read it. He had some good things to say about this ordinary time. Of course, one of the things, main things, see when we talk about ordinary time, we're talking about in a liturgical calendar ways we talk about the different seasons and this long season from Pentecost to Advent, this long green season called Ordinary Times for certain reasons, and I'll let you go look that up. But as he said, it's not meant to be as just run of the mill. It's not just, okay, okay, now what? No. So let me read some things that he wrote, because I think it fits well into what the Lord would want us to hear this morning. He says, this season, this ordinary season, plays an important, even vital role in our life as Christians and our life together as the church. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit empowers us as God's people sending us out to proclaim the good news and drawing us in as members of Christ's own body. On Trinity Sunday, we see fully what that membership means, participation in the very life and love of the triune God. Ordinary time is where that proclamation and participation happens. In light of that, I want to challenge our thinking this morning. And I want you to consider looking at today differently. And what I want to call today, I want to call today as day one after the day of Pentecost. It's day one. I know some of you are thinking, okay, Father Jonathan, can you talk to this guy? Obviously, he doesn't know that uh, 21 days ago, we celebrated Pentecost here. Or for those of you who are math nerds, and you might want to remind me that it was 700 and some odd thousand days ago that the day of Pentecost happened in the book of Acts. But I want to challenge your thinking this morning. Pentecost isn't something that happened 21 days ago. It was yesterday. Today is day one. Jeff Bezos, founder and retired CEO of Amazon, coined a phrase early on in the company, culture that still persists to this day. 20-some years after that experience, he says, it's still day one. In fact, the building there at Seattle Amazon Building in Seattle is named what? Day one. Bezos said there can be no day two thinking in this organization. I don't think there needs to be day two, day three, day 21, thinking when it comes to the operating and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It must always be day one. How many of you are familiar with the Walk to Emmaus or Curseo or any of those renewal movements? You come together in a retreat-like setting. You spend three days in times of worship and devotion and drawing you into a deeper walk with Christ. At the end of the three days, you go home, you've met people, and then some point down the road, they say, hey, let's get back together again, and let's encourage one another. And do you know what they call that day when the group comes back? The fourth day. Well, it's obviously been more than four days since they gathered. But it was intentionally called the fourth day to, to draw them right back to that moment when they gathered together there and they had those times of great intimacy with Christ. And thinking about it in terms of how the church is laid out, our calendar, why do we not, well, I'm not sure how I'll phrase this, why don't we count Sundays? As in those days of 40 days when we're doing the days for Lent. Why don't we count Lent, I mean Sundays, as Lent days? What is it that we celebrate every Sunday? We're going to need to have some conversation. Do we not gather every Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Isn't every Sunday Easter Every Sunday is Easter. And I thought how wonderful the church understood how we think. Something gets so far in the past, we don't remember it anymore. And as I'm getting older, I I understand what they're talking about. But we celebrate his resurrection every Sunday to bring that back into focus. And we go out into the world with that deeply implanted in our minds again of who we are in Christ. And that's what I want us to think about this morning And I believe we need to maintain day one thinking when it comes to the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. Time acts like geographical distance. In time it becomes simply doctrine and no longer experience. It lacks intimacy, it lacks power. A few weeks ago, Linda and I were going to our local H-E-B to get some uh, balloons and stuff for our granddaughter, Miss Kate, who's going to be t- who was turning 11 that day, and needless to say, we walked out with some balloons about my size, jammed them into the car to take them there. But as we were going in there shopping, I noticed a young man walk in, and he had a T-shirt across the top. It said, Under the Influence. And I thought, well, I don't know. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure I want to go over there and read the rest of the shirt. Well, I didn't. But Linda and I were talking about it later because she went over and read. She was curious. What is he under the influence? Under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I thought, yes, we ought to get those T-shirts and make them available to everybody. So when you come to church and you go home, I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But you see, that's day one living. That's day one living. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that first thing on standing firm. Standing firm in Christ, as Paul lays it out there in our reading from Galatians this morning. He writes, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I have been set free. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I am no longer under the dominion of sin. Amen? Have you been set free? Have you been redeemed by the Lamb? It's okay to answer. It's okay. I taught school for a long years. I'm used to that. It's okay. Yes. That's who you are now because of what's happened. Jesus Christ gave his life for you, conquered death so that we will never have to die." So why does Paul tell us to stand firm in our freedom from Christ? What's his concern? His concern is when we get so far removed from the event, we forget what's happened, we forget who we are in Christ, And the danger is we start drifting back. And before we know it, the yoke of slavery is on us again. And so he writes in verses 16, 17, but I say walk by the spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh So these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. There's a battle going on in there. There's a battle going on in here. Because I'm male, I call it my old man. Ladies, I don't know what you call it. But my old nature, my old man is a rebel. My old man wants to do what I want to do. And we live in a culture my old man when my my old man loves this culture we're in because our culture keeps telling me it's all about me and my old man my old nature says that's right that's right it's all about you So what's the number 1 pose in America today Come on I know some of you know it What is it? Selfie. We are so obsessed with ourselves. We're raising our kids to think it's all about them. And that's exactly what my old man says. Part of the battle. Part of the battle. St. Paul summed it up nicely in Romans when he said, For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Woe is me. There's a battle. There's a battle. There's a battle. But things have changed. It's It's not just the old man in me. Who else is in me now? Can't hear you. The fans are too loud. I'm sorry I can't hear you. Who else is in me now? The Holy Spirit is in me now. Jesus Christ is in me now. Whose job is it to fight the battle? It's their job. I've already shown I can't. I'm a loser at fighting that battle. He's changed the battle. He's changed the battle. Now I've been born again. I'm a new creation. I've been adopted into the family of God. And the new me, the new me, is focused on the one who set me free. The one who fills my heart with joy. The one who is my good shepherd. The one who is moment by moment transforming me into his image. That's where the new me is looking. The one that has been created in Christ Jesus. So there's a battle and Paul reminds us how we're to use our newfound freedom in Christ, we're to stand firm. And we are to let Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in us fight that battle. We turn to them. We keep looking to them. And you know what? They keep telling the old man in me, sit down, shut up. Sit down, shut up. Yes. Yes. Because I need their strength. Because if I could have done it for my own, would God needed to have sent his son to die on the cross for me? No. No. But he's given us provisions. He's given us provisions. And he's there. Verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is filled with one word You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As the late uh, John Stott, wonderful Anglican theologian, summed it up this way Authentic freedom is not freedom to indulge our fallen nature, but to control it. Not freedom to exploit our neighbors, but to serve them. And not freedom to disregard the law, but to fulfill it. We are called to live lives of love and service to others. And this is counter-cultural, and it's counter to my old nature. But that's what we're called to do. Paul reminds us that there are not only two opposing combatants, my old nature and indwelling Holy Spirit. He says there's two opposing lifestyles. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like this. And I warn you as I warned you before that those who Live, these, live their life in this manner, should not inherit the kingdom of God. But that's exactly the world that my old nature wants to live in. Paul names these 15 lifestyles that are characteristic of our sinful nature. If we look at that list, we'll see that in so many ways they characterize the culture we live in. We live in a culture rejecting God, rejecting truth. Choosing to want to live in a culture where they get to live out everything their flesh wants to do. And that it's okay. And you can't tell me that it's not. Because if you do, it's going to hurt my feelings. They think they're free, but actually they're what? Slaves. They are slaves to sin, and what do they need? Come on, can't hear you. What's the answer? Jesus. And where are they going to see Jesus? Oh, don't get shy. Come on, come on. Don't look at him. Don't look at them. Now you're scaring them. Where do they need to look and see Jesus? Where is he? He's in you. He's in you. What day is this? Day one. Come on, come on. The Holy Spirit has just been poured out on us. We've just been empowered by the Holy Spirit. We've just been set loose. The Holy Spirit's primary mission in this world is evangelism. He prepares the way, He sets somebody. See, that's the whole problem. We got this thing backwards. We think, oh man, I got to think of what I'm going to say when I meet that stranger on the corner. Excuse me, it's not about you, it's about him. The Holy Spirit's already been working on that. And when you get there, what's the Lord going to tell you? He'll tell you what to say and what to do. He's been preparing that person to see the Christ in you. Our culture desperately needs us because they need to see him. In contrast, Paul shares what submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit looks like. In our relationship with God, it's love, joy, peace. And in our relationship with others, it's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and he said, "There's no law there." In other words, you can show all the love you want, and be—you're not going to be going along. and God's going to say, "You're just being too loving to those people. You're just being too kind." You're just no, because how did God demonstrate His love for us? He said, He gave Himself for us. Yes, for God so loved the world, what? He gave his only begotten son. Yes, yes. How much does God love you? Boy, can't measure it, can we? No, no. So there's no law on that. He also says there's two opposing attitudes. Verse 24 and 25, he said, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We have crucified the old man and we just have to stop going back there. We have crucified him. I don't need to keep revisiting that place. I move on. I move on. And Paul also then says, verse 26, let us not become conceited. Provoking one another, envying one another. He said, Don't get so high and mighty thinking you're so holy and everything else. You start letting your whole nature act out in your relationship with others. No, walk in humility. Don't do the other. Secondly, first, stand firm. Stand firm in the freedom that Christ has given you. And secondly, Keep your eyes on Jesus. Verse 51, chapter 9 of Luke this morning, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. The message puts the verse this way. When it came close to the time for his ascension, He gathered up his courage and steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem. Did Jesus know there were tough days coming? Yes. Yes. Is he going to run away from it? No. He's going to set his face to do what God was calling him to do. So we not only stand firm in our freedom, but we have to set our focus, we have to set everything on him and be willing to do, be willing to go wherever he would send us. So where is my focus? Questions I've been asking myself now for several weeks. Where is my focus? On what or on whom have I set my face? What are the distractions in my life that are interfering from my being able to focus on Him? The bridegroom's coming. Do I have oil in my lamps? Am I available to the Holy Spirit? How might the Holy Spirit want to use me today? Jesus ended his reading this morning with these words. Jesus said to them, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Stand firm, stay focused on him. Don't look back. So where are you this morning? Are you committed to standing firm in Christ? Are you committed to keeping your eyes focused on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Are you willing to go where the Holy Spirit would like to lead you and take you? I also read what uh, Bishop Ackerman wrote to you, expressing how proud he was of the decisions you were making. And in reading that, I knew I could probably get away with what I'm gonna do next. I've already cleared it with the boss. Because I taught school for a long time, I'm used to having quizzes. And of course, the kids would all moan and groan. I'd say, well, it's it's a learning experience, that's all. So I'm going to ask you seven questions. And I want you to answer them. They're yes or no. Now, the fans are loud. I'm going to have a hard time hearing you. I've got to tell you, at the first service this morning, there was one little boy sitting back there, and I heard his answer more than once. I think we could learn from the children. So kids, you do, you do this too. And the, books, the questions are out of the prayer book, so they're safe. They've been screened by higher authorities. Essentially, what we're going to ask us to do is renew our baptismal vows. Remember, it's day one. I want us to live in those. And when you come to communion this morning, I want you to really focus on what you're reading in that service as you're coming. And what you're saying is taking place there. And when you receive it, what you're saying, when we're taking it out, as you come to the rail this morning you're coming to receive Christ you're going to consume him and then you're going to do what with him take him out into the world he does not get left up here you're taking him out exactly what we've been talking about this morning okay you ready for the test uh, quiz sorry <clears throat> Do you here in the presence of God and the church renew the solemn promises and vows you made at your baptism and commit yourselves to keep them? Yes. Good job, good job. Do you renounce the devil and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Yes. Do you renounce the empty promises and deadly deceits of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Yes. Do you renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draw you from the love of God? Yes. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and confess Him as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you joyfully receive the Christian faith as revealed in the Holy Scriptures? of the Old and New Testaments. Will you obediently keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in them all the days of your life? Well, today, my brothers and sisters, I encourage you to think of Pentecost as a daily event, and I encourage you to go forth, bringing his love and grace and mercy and peace to a world desperately in need of it. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord preserve, protect, and defend you on your journey. Amen.